This is our final message in the series on uh, the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such, there is no law. You may be seated. Now what I want to do is I want to start with my conclusions because I don't know if I'll get you there. So I figure if I start with the conclusions, at least you'll know what I was trying to do. Okay, so uh, my first conclusion is that the Spirit will work on your self-control in all aspects of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness. The Spirit will work on your self-control in all aspects of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, fruitfulness, and gentleness. Faithfulness. See? Backseat driver. Um, Self-control is a Spirit-moderated release of the character of God through you. Okay, that's my first conclusion. I'll tell you how I got there later. My second conclusion is God is much more interested in what proceeds from your heart than how you try to act. God is much more interested in what proceeds from your heart than how you try to act. You see, the fruit of the Spirit is not just about outward actions. It's God's concern for our heart and what springs from our heart. So now you know what I'm trying to get to. Let's see if we can get there. I've been a believer in Jesus for 64 years. I've been a follower of Jesus for most of those years, off and on. I started following him, went to college, thought I knew better, Still believe, didn't follow. But most of the years I've been a believer and a follower. And two scriptures in particular have become very precious to my heart as I understand them better and better. One of them is this Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. And it's particularly that end of it where he says, against such there is no law. This is showing us that the law of God is in agreement with the fruit of the Spirit. God is guiding us to a Christ-like life. The other scripture is found in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 40. And it comes when the question was asked of Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind this is the first and greatest commandment and the second is like it love your neighbor as yourself all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments and what I want to what has really transformed my life is that all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments what the law was doing was simply teaching us to love God 
and others. It's all about relationship. Jesus' life was a fulfillment of the law and the embodiment of the fruit of the Spirit. To me, these two scriptures really, really get to the heart of the matter. God is not trying to motivate us by rules, which are outward self-control, but by change in our hearts, which is spirit-led self-control. Now, I have to admit, much like Marvette last week, if you were here last week, Marvette did an amazing job speaking about gentleness. And uh, she was not thrilled with her assignment. When I heard I was speaking on self-control, I wasn't thrilled. I thought, let me speak about gentleness. I have never been in a physical altercation. In other words, I've never been in a fist fight. I don't raise my voice very often. And I'm rarely confrontational. I consider myself to be naturally gentle. Well, I'll tell you a little bit more about that later. But why couldn't I talk about gentleness? What about faithfulness? This is my wife. We've been married for 48 years. I've been faithful to her. I've been faithful to her for 52 years because we started dating when we were in high school. So why not let me teach about faithfulness? And by the way, while I'm on the talk, topic of marriage, you just need to know that uh, the registration for our marriage retreat <laughs> is opening on September 29th. If you haven't been, talk to somebody who has. If you've been to one of them, tell somebody who hasn't. It's a great time. But uh, let me get back to self-control. After studying and meditating on the topic, uh, I realized that really self-control is the culmination of all the fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit is wanting to bring out all the fruit through self-control. He wants to come out of our life. It has been the unfailing effort of the Holy Spirit in my life to patiently and consistently move me to the change of heart that God is trying to produce in my life. As I look at self-control, after years of hits and misses, I now see that the call to self-control is really a word of encouragement. I pray that you hear this as words of encouragement and of hope. And not just another Christian task, not another thing on your list to do as a Christian. After all, it is a fruit of the Spirit. Let me talk a little bit about what is self-control. In the natural, and this is a dictionary definition, it's the ability to control oneself, in particular one's emotions and desires or the expression of them in one's behavior. So, 
Let me tell you a little bit about my self-control. Last week, I came into the church office. We were having a staff meeting, and um, I was telling one of the people that was there early in the staff meeting that my wife and I had just started, the day before, had just started a diet. We just had started a diet, and I had confessed this out loud. And someone came into the office with a peach pie. <laughs> now, I'm not going to say which pastor it was. His wife's name is Mimi. <laughs> yeah, you, you've got to understand this wasn't just any pie, this was fresh peach pie, which I love. But having just told someone that I was committed to a diet with my wife, I did the only thing a man at my level of self-control would do is I ate some peach pie. (laughs) Honestly, the only thing that saved me from compounding the sin was there was no vanilla ice cream there. Uh, I would have been all over that. Honestly, though, it could have been any number of pies. (laughs) This is uh, an example of self-control. Actually, it's an example of lack of self-control. But this is a a natural phenomenon. This is part of what we wrestle with in our normal lives. Many times you'll see an overlap of this natural with the spiritual Uh, But let's look at spiritual control. Spiritual is a relationship with God that changes my emotions and desires and the expression of them towards God's and, and others. It's not just me controlling, it's actually a change in my heart. This is the fruit of the Spirit. It's not necessarily a natural discipline. God is really more concerned with how I treat other people than if I eat peach pie. To me, that's good news. It's not the Spirit doing it for us, though. It's not autopilot. Uh, At my age... Uh, I'm aware that there is a time coming soon, and I think even sooner for my wife, (laughs) that we will lose our driver's license. (laughs) Do you you know what trouble I'm in later? (laughs) But anyway, but I, you know, because of the age of cars that are going to drive us around, I'm thinking, by the time I get there, we'll just call, they'll take us where we want to go, so I'm not concerned. Autopilot has me covered. But that's not the way it is in the Spirit. It's not autopilot. It's really the Holy Spirit walking with us, dwelling with us. The Spirit is more like uh, someone sitting next to us in the seat, who is usually my wife, and I'm driving, and as I already said, I drive faster than she does. It's that, some, that voice over there that says, how fast are you going? Or 
Are you going the right direction? Now, I don't respond very well to that while I'm driving. You can ask my wife. No, please don't. Just let's let that go. But it is that presence of a voice that speaks to us. It's the Holy Spirit's presence with us that is influencing us and speaking to us about living our lives with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness. Pastor Herman has uh, several times in this series put up a picture, and I've asked them to do, do it again, of a stone that's being rent in two uh, by a tree coming up through it. And I love this because it speaks of the hardness of my heart and how God has had to break through. Uh, I'm much like Jonathan. I was raised in church. My dad was a pastor. But that does not mean that I always walked in the truth or in the spirit. And that spirit had to slowly grow in my life. I couldn't take the plant of my mom and dad. I had to allow the fruit of the spirit in my own life. So it's been coming slowly but powerfully. And I want to talk to you this morning about uh, the fourfold discipline of spiritual self-control. Now, I call it fourfold discipline because that's a neat title. No, because I see it as four ingredients rather than four steps. Sometimes in steps we see do this first, this second, this third, but I see this as an ingredients mixed together which allows us to walk in the spirit and find that self-control. The first one is be filled with the spirit. Now I'm here to tell you, based on the scripture that I'm about to read, every one of you who is a follower of Jesus Christ is filled with his spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 says, do you not know that your bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? And I love this little part there. It says, you are not your own. The Holy Spirit is with us. He is invested in us. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, it talks about uh, being drunk with the Spirit. And it says, uh, do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. One Spirit leads to destruction, the Holy Spirit leads to wholeness and healing. Filled here is not a one-time experience, it's a walk. It's a continuing experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 16, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. This is the amplified version, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby to be with you forever. You need to know that you have the Holy Spirit and he's walking with you as Jesus walked with his disciples. Now, how many of you have ever thought, wow, it would have been neat to be one of Jesus' disciples and walk with him as he performed miracles and hear his teaching? And I, I would be... I would be so much better a Christian if I would have walked with him. But the truth is, 
There was a limitation there, and Jesus acknowledged that and said, when I leave, I'm going to send you the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And he won't just walk, you won't walk beside him, he'll be within you. So this experience of the, being with the Holy Spirit is not some spooky thing. When uh, I was raised in church, we, were, we started out in the King James Version, and uh, some of you may not even know what that is, but it was an old version of the Bible. <laughs> that called the Holy Spirit the Holy Ghost. Anybody remember? Okay. So like I said, I was raised in church and whenever they would talk about the Holy Ghost, okay, true confession, I'm just being honest with you, I would think of Casper. (laughs) (laughs) Some strange thing, you know. As I've grown with the Lord and understand what his Holy Spirit is, I realize it's a very normal part of our life. It's, it's, a, uh, it's how he walks and talks with us. It's not some spooky thing that happens. It's very natural. I'll share with you a little bit what that looks like in my life. Uh, and this walk takes time. The Spirit's going to take time in your life. I've already told you I've been a believer for 64 years, and I'll guarantee he's not done. But it's, uh, it's the, what, what took Peter from denying the Lord to actually proclaiming the Lord. It was that growth, that work of the Spirit in his life. And I, I feel like I should really emphasize here that it is a, it is a relationship with God with the Holy Spirit that brings self-control. It is not self-control that brings a relationship with God. You understand? We so often want to please God and we think if we please him, he'll draw nigh. It's because he has already drawn nigh to us that we can find self-control. It is a work of his grace. I want to tell you a little about, uh, about my own story. Um, all I have is the Bible in me, so I, sorry. When I was young, I was uh, really not drawn to self-control. Um, what I wanted was God to be, to bless me, but not direct me. You know, I wanted whatever he could do for me, but not what he wanted to do through me. So I resisted. I just didn't want his interference. Um, but there came a point in my life where I really had to acknowledge the work of the Holy Spirit in my life and I had to listen to his voice uh, as he whispered. Uh, no, actually, in this case, he shouted at me. I was, uh, as I said, I've never been in a fight, a fist fight. I've, I don't raise my voice. Uh, often, I have to say that, often. I'm not confrontive. In fact, on a personality chart, I'm an avoider. But I was working at a uh, company in Sunnyvale. And uh, now, mind you, I was a pastor. I was in my mid-20s. I was a pastor of church, struggling church. So I was working well, it, tent building is what they call it. I was working so I could pastor. And uh, 
one of the men there working with me uh, began pushing at me uh, verbally. And uh, I took it for a while. And then he started to push a button. Now, here's the thing. I didn't know I had that button. Duh. I, I did not know I had that button. But, but all of a sudden it was being pushed. And in my heart, I began to plan my attack. I'm, I'm being totally honest with you. I began to plan how I was going to deck this guy. Pastor Dan. <laughs> the Lord intervened. Thank God. He backed off. And uh, I was left there with a revelation. And the Holy Spirit began speaking to me because a button was pushed that I didn't know existed. The Lord began saying, you have problems with gentleness. You have problems with gentleness. Now, I had been blinded by thinking it was my strength. I never considered that. The Holy Spirit was working deeper in my heart than just my outward expression or my natural expression. So the first thing I did was I, I was absolutely humbled before God to see this. This was a total revelation in my life. At 20-some years old, I find out that I have a temper and that I can be mean. Now, if God would have left it there, that would have been fine. But no, he took it into my home. Suddenly, I began seeing, as my wife and I had lively discussions, that I was bringing harshness and uh, a lack of gentleness into it. I like to win arguments. I always felt that the very foundations of our home depended on me winning every argument. <laughs> Sorry, but that's... So I would approach an argument uh, with every trick I could. And uh, I would bring harshness. I, I would, would not be gentle. I would not be pulling out from my wife what she was feeling or what she was going through. And the Holy Spirit again began grabbing me and saying, you're winning arguments and you're losing your marriage. I was... I mean, this was just... I mean, in the context, I was, a, I was pastoring a church. We were doing marriage counseling. And I'm finding out that God is revealing in my heart that I am not the husband that Rebecca needs. God didn't back off. We have two sons. I think they're going to be here this afternoon at the last gathering. And uh, amazingly enough, they grew up to be teenagers. And uh, 
Up to that point, they had tried my self-control, but when they were teenagers, oh, Lord. One morning, I was getting ready on a Sunday morning. I was getting ready to go preach. And the kids were having a battle. They were fighting. And it was breaking my concentration. It was disturbing my peace. So I told them, you've got to stop it. And they didn't stop. Can you imagine that? Boys not stopping when I said it. Something snapped in me and I charged in there and grabbed one of them and threw him up against the wall. And the spirit said, are you being gentle? Is that who you are? Uh, My son doesn't even remember that, but I do. It's that Holy Spirit that's there wanting to take me beyond my outward control and into his presence, into his heart and display of his heart. This was over years. It's still going on. It's still the Lord changing my heart. It's still recognizing that I am uh, just a broken person needing the Lord to be with me. Sixty-four years, still working. The next ingredient did I give ingredient to? Did I just step man alive? I got yeah. The second one is listen to the Holy Spirit. I got so wrapped up in my story, I didn't give you the... That was my story of listening. The, the third is uh, be humble before the Spirit. Confess to God and to others. Are you going to struggle? What I'm trying to tell you is I've struggled. I, everyone I know has struggled. You're going to struggle. We're growing step by step like a child learning to walk. But God is patient. He just tells us to humbly confess to him. First John says, if we confess our sins, and sins is simply missing what God has for us, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. We're to humbly confess to others. I don't know about you, but it's much easier for me in the privacy uh, of my bedroom or, or, or you know, wherever, my office, to confess to God. It's much more difficult for me to confess to another brother what I'm going through. Much to, and then it's much tougher to get up here and confess to you what I'm going through. But God has brought the church together to be supportive of one another. That's what we're going to do. Is, he says in James 5, 16, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. 
So if I'm gonna wanna move, I've gotta get my brothers, I've gotta get others praying for me. And I can only do that by confession. I would caution you to be sure it's a person you trust and it's a person that's walking on the same path you're walking on. I want you to be humble by your success and your failure. Always learning from every experience. God knows me. He knows where my strengths are and he knows my weaknesses. He knows my past, present, and future. He knows your past, your present, your future. He knows your strengths, your weaknesses, and he loves you. God wants the very best for you. He wants the eternal best for you. Humble yourself. Trust God. Find hope as he draws you. The fourth ingredient is receive grace from the Holy Spirit. I've already mentioned failure. If, is, I don't think it's a question of if we falter, it's when we falter. God loves us. He is merciful. Hebrews chapter four, verse 16 says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. The way God sees us is found in 2 Corinthians 3.18, and I love this. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. The Lord sees us, one translation calls it going from glory to glory. He's changing us. He sees us becoming more and more. We're so bound up in, some, in our faults and failures that we don't see the steps that we're taking. Receive the grace of God. Be healed. Find hope. All this time, the Spirit has been helping me. He's still working with me to see and to love others as he sees and loves them. That's my challenge. Others that don't talk the way I think they should talk. Others that don't live the way I think they should live. Others that don't believe the way I think they should believe. Others that don't vote the way I think they should vote. God is working on me to love others as he has loved me. He has loved me unconditionally, graciously, and mercifully. That's all he's asking me to do is show self-control as I relate to others. My challenge to you is Fourfold, I want you to know that the Spirit of God is working in you. Listen to the Spirit as He prods you towards His nature. Humble yourself for some surprising challenges in your life and never give up 
because he never gives up on you. I have a prayer I want to pray for you, but really I'm going to read it from Ephesians chapter 1 because the Holy Spirit wrote it so eloquently there. But it is my prayer for you. I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that God, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparable great power for us who believe. That power for us is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything, which is his body, the fullness of him, who, is, who fills everything in every way. I pray that you hear this as a hopeful calling. Let the Holy Spirit bring hope as he prods you and you're challenged in your life. Do you have a person in your life that is challenging you? I want you to picture that person that is challenging you in to love, your peace, joy, patience, Picture that one person. Think of that person now. And then through this week, ask God that he show you them as a gift that he is using to develop the fruit of his spirit in your life. I ask you to listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit as he prompts your actions and reactions to this person. My prayer is that you would let God express his kindness, goodness, all of the fruit of the Spirit through you. Let the Spirit reveal himself through you with self-control. My brothers, my sisters, against such there is no law. Amen.